welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, your weekly slice of pop culture goodness. I'm your host, Matt, and with me today is our special guest, uh, Jake Mason. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm glad you're on board here. Um, we're looking at women's wrestling today. Um, that'll Just that fun little slice of the uh, professional wrestling scene. Uh, Jake, uh, what are your thoughts on women's wrestling? Uh, well, my thoughts on women's wrestling are 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 varied and uh, and wide. I don't know if that's a word I was trying to use. I, I have a lot of thoughts on, on women's wrestling. I love it the most, though, because it is unlike every other kind of wrestling. And it doesn't need to be, but it decided to be. And I kind of love that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And we, we watched, um, you know, we watched four different examples, um, kind of span over indie wrestling, uh, as well as, you know, the big mainstream, uh, WWE and also some different time periods in there. So, uh, this should be a, a fun little look at everything that's going on there. I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, these matches were, are some of my favorites. I picked three of the four that we watched, uh, cause they are like the seminal, I, I think at least as far as my experience goes, like some of the seminal like women's wrestling matches that you're going to see. Oh yeah. They were, they were really good and they were, they were all very different matches. Yeah. I feel like for like, for var- for variances sake, we should have picked a, I should have picked a bad one. I should have like went into like the depths of 2009, which is just like the oh. worst. And then, and then just like picked like, Oh boy, a pre all of a sudden, very good Eve versus is like Kelly Kelly or something, but we went with good matches, which which is much more fun, I think. Yeah, a lot lot more that we can do there than just be like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah. So what was that first one? What's our first match tonight? Uh, first match is, in my opinion, not just the best women's wrestling match, but like serious contender for one of the best wrestling matches, certainly of the millennium, I would say. Uh, that is Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. So that's uh, 2015's TakeOver. Oh, yeah, that was that was an amazing match. Um, if any of you guys follow my uh, personal Twitter, um, y'all, y'all probably saw me go like, oh, I'm not crying at a wrestling match. You're crying at a wrestling match. Dude, I, I swear, sometimes I think about that match and I just get weepy. Like, it's it's so... I'm holding it together now, but it is... That match is from, from the beginning of their time together in NXT until, like, that moment. Like, there is... I think no better story in pro wrestling it basically is the culmination of sasha banks who is the actual best wrestler in the world like today i i would put her at that at the level she's wrestling at i would say actual best wrestler versus bailey who is the literal best good guy wrestler that we've had since like 1995 sting you know i mean if not just best human just basically the best person. I want her and Sami Zayn just to, like, ha- I wish they had more, like, intergender matches so her and Sami Zayn could form a tag team of, like, best people there are. Oh, man, that would be the best. All right, well, uh, well let's let's dig into this match a little bit. Um, you know, kind of the, the lead-up to it was that promo, which I think is definitely a big part of this match, especially. You know, we kind of went through the history of NXT with, you know, arguably the four biggest influences on women's wrestling currently. Yeah, the the four horsewomen, yeah. And two of them are currently the women's champions in WWE. Even even if this uh latest this latest uh, match didn't didn't quite light the fires under under getting that title changed over for Raw, but you know, it was still the four of them, you know, Becky and Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey. It was this gut-wrenching tearjerker of a promo. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's I didn't I I feel real bad. I did not watch the promo. <laughs> I watched it. I don't think I could have handled it. I think that promo would have would have done too much to my my fragile marshmallow soul. But the the thing about like this whole business, right, is that the four horsewomen are are Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Bailey, and they are basically the four women who dragged women's wrestling at the time divas wrestling up from the muck. It was not great for a very long time, and it there there were you know steps taken that were like you know trying to you know progress it more. But it wasn't until these four kind of came together and decided like no, we are gonna wrestle harder than everybody else, and we are gonna make it a real thing again, and not the bathroom break match, and not like a, a joke or a, a which which elf is the sexiest in this battle royal, this Christmas battle royal. That was a lot of the women's wrestling before, you know, before these four came along. And so there was a there was a, a four-way match at the previous takeover or the takeover before that, which is like every 3 months they have a they do like a basically a pay-per-view for uh, NXT. And it's it's tied into the the typical pay-per-view, right? To the WWEs. It's usually tied to one of the big four. Um there's always one at SummerSlam, there's always one at WrestleMania, and then there's two or three Maybe up to four others, depending on. Uh, usually, there's like uh, one that's in another country. There's like London or Japan, or they're doing Australia soon. Um, and then there's like one or two that are in full sale, which are smaller affairs, but still treated, you know, as like, hey, this is a pay per view. This is you know, big matches. So a couple takeovers before Takeover Brooklyn, Sasha Banks won the women's championship by beating Charlotte, Be- uh, Bailey, and Becky Lynch in a, in a fatal, fatal four-way. And uh, they all kind of came together at the end, and it was like this huge moment for women's wrestling because it was like, it's real now. Like, take us seriously or else, uh, essentially. And so that was kind of like the lead-up because they all got called up to Raw except Bailey. And the whole thing behind that was like, you're not good enough. You're not what they want. You know, you're just you're just an NXT girl. And so it was it was Bailey coming into her own and being like, no, I am worthy of being a champion. Like, I'm good enough to be a champion. Uh, it doesn't matter that I wasn't called with the Raw because someone's got to hold it down, you know, down here. And that's, that's kind of where the match starts. Oh, yeah. And it, you go in and you even even on even with Bailey, you can see that it's kind of a chip chip on her shoulder there a little bit you know that she's like you're going to take me seriously yeah for sure and like that's the crazy thing about it is like Sasha Banks and Bailey you wouldn't think it if you just are like casually uh looking at it but they're the same they are like totally the same because Sasha Banks has wanted to be a wrestler since she was 11 years old Bailey's wanted to be a wrestler since she was around 11 years old they both have like letters that they wrote to their future selves about how they want to be professional wrestlers and like all of this this stuff and so they they come like to a head here and it's Sasha Banks who is the boss who is like this big brash personality that kind of masks like insecurity like like a lot of her story up until she won the title was like fake it till you make it like just pretend that you're confident and eventually you will be and she won and now you know she kind of like came into her own whereas Bailey's is like wear your emotions on your sleeve just like be who you are and let your heart do the talking so they look very different on the outside but like if you trace it back they're very similar and so like they both had a lot to prove during this match and like I think it worked I think it worked real well It really did. Like Sasha comes off as kind of a heel because she's she's really laying into Bailey. But you know the best the best part of that whole match is at the very end when when Bailey wins when Bailey takes it. Yeah, that oh man that poison Rana from the top. Yeah, and the first two people that run up to her are Charlotte and Becky. Yeah, and then Sasha joins her. Yeah, it, it's so good because when because when she won like it was it you know it was proving that like it's not a fluke. This is 
for real. Yeah, you because know, like if the last match where Sasha won was like the big like, hey, we're here now. This one was the we're re- this is for real. We're staying like and uh, and yeah, they all came together. Everyone's crying. It's like such a like emotional moment. And like it's one of those moments where you you pull the curtains back and you're like, yes, it's wrestling. Yes, we're telling a story. But like for real, like these two women just had one of the best matches of the year easily. Like I I would say that's my favorite match of 2015. It's my favorite match of like the decade. But uh, you know, I'm a little biased. <laughs> it was a it was an incredible match to watch. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna come back to this because you know, like you kind of mentioned, that uh, that's a pretty big pretty big uh, turning point for the WWE women's wrestling for sure. Um, so we're gonna come back to that here in a little bit. Um, but we're gonna transition over to an indie wrestling gig that uh, you are intimately familiar with. Yes, I was actually at the at one of their shows last night. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't see the women's three way match at uh, Backlash because I was. Was not watching Backlash. I was watching uh, Inspire Pro Wrestling's Fade to Black Two. The uh, the match we're watching is Angelus Lane versus Delilah Doom at uh, I don't remember what show it was actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, I want to say Battle Wars, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I think that's right. Uh, so they had a a street fight. It was a, a wrestling match contested under San Dimas High School football rules uh, because Delilah Doom is like a like a throwback sort of to like 80s culture and 90s and early 90s culture and like she's very like into Richard Simmons and like you know positivity. Let's her theme song for a while was "Let's Go to the Mall" by uh, Robin Sparkles, which is you know pretty great. Uh, then she after this match she transitioned it to what I said should have been her music the whole time, which is "Scandals the Warrior." If you're familiar with that song it is a banger <laughs> but uh but she won and like you know not to spoil the ending delilah doom wins the whole the whole lead up to this is delilah doom is a people pleaser she is she loves wrestling she loves the crowd she like she'll hug kids and she'll high five everybody and angela Lane used to be that a long time ago um but like the world kind of beat her down and so she saw too much of herself in delilah and had to destroy that essentially so it comes to this head at this uh at this street fight and it is the the video is on YouTube. You can you can check it out. It's real great. Being there live, I'm in the front row. Josh and I are in the front row. My podcasting partner, Josh, are in the front row. And uh, it's it was like so much more intense. There's a moment that they cut out of the beginning. She comes out with because because you've seen street fights, right? You know, yeah. they come out with weapons. Delilah Doom comes out with a hula hoop and a teddy bear, right? I saw I saw those on the on the mat. Yeah, when it started. Yeah. So right before the video starts, she throws the hula hoop into the ring and it lands at an angle. So it starts doing that like wobble where it's like kind of like a like a penny that's slowing down after you spin it. Throws the bear into the ring and somehow manages to sink it through the hoop. It was pretty incredible. Uh, so they missed that part, but. But, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's fine. They end up they they have all these like, you know, weapons and spots where they're they're using weapons. But there's always like, you know, tricks like Delilah at one point brings out a pla- a clear plastic phone, which is like the coolest thing in the 90s. <laughs> I think I think Angela has rat poison at one point, and it's like just like powder, it's like flour or whatever in a thing. But she has to yell out "rat poison," so you know the stakes of it. So like yeah. in the fiction of the world, that was rat poison. <laughs> like that's <laughs> serious. Uh, there's thumbtacks. Uh, Angela goes through a table at the end to the outside, and that's what allows uh, Delilah to win. There was a bag of like jelly beans in there, and yeah. So so there's like this this like common thing. If you're not a wrestling fan, like I assume some of this stuff is like alien to you, and like just like <laughs> get at me at Twitter, and I will explain whatever you want at jj underscore mason they bring out a like a little a black velvet bag and they open it up and they pour it out and there's thumbtacks or shards of glass or something that's like been a trope in wrestling since like the 70s maybe earlier so angela's brought one to the ring or she had one under the stash under 
the ring. And so she brings it out and she pours it out, but it's Skittles and jelly beans and stuff. Delilah had switched them out. And then later in the match, Delilah pulled out hers, but it was Angel's from earlier, which had a thumbtack in it. So it's like this like real great switch of like, oh, no, you're not as dangerous as you think you are. I'm dangerous. I have the dangerous thing. Yeah, it was it was a but besides being just kind of an all around different flavor than WWE with with that more kind of indie flair where they're allowed to do some things that I think the WWE audience would consider a bit too uh, you know silly or flamboyant, which is ironic coming from that very that crowd. Yes. <laughs> you know, it really was a display of those two, and we're gonna come to this with our uh, with our second indie match later on. It was a display of those two as, as genuine athletes, like they weren't. Neither one of them was, you know, overly sexualized or anything. It was just two really amazing athletes just duking yeah, it out. Yeah, uh, for for sure. So, like that, that's the that's the thing about indie wrestling that I that I really love is that there are there are women that wrestle on on the indies that are you know like they're sexy you know and they like they like lean into that right and that's fine it's totally you know if you're doing it for you go ahead but um but a lot of them because women's wrestling for the longest time was the the popcorn match the bathroom break match it was it was like a joke or a like let's have two women wrestle in pudding for whatever reason you know like really garbage stuff like that the the independent scene had to pick up the slack and so they they figured out how to to best do that and it's by just pouring more heart into it and that's what i love about women's wrestling is that there is just more heart put into it because you can't rest on like i'm six foot six and jacked or like i'm super flippy like you can be but people are always going to see women's wrestling as something kind of lesser so in order to like counteract that they just go all out wherever they can and that's i think that's probably like why i love it so much yeah no it was it was an incredible match just to watch from the wrestling side of things and you know, I mean, they weren't they weren't above kind of playing with the audience there. Um, you, know, you said you were at this one, and if anyone watches this on YouTube, um, you know, I'll include the link to that in uh, in the show notes. Um, but you can see Jake at one point you dive out of the way of an oh yeah. Oncoming... Um, this is a this is a helpful hint for anybody who's going to an independent wrestling show. If there's no barricade between you and the ring, the rule of thumb is if a wrestler is coming towards you, get out of the way because every wrestler can beat you up, no matter who you are, no matter who they are. Like every single wrestler and especially if they're flying towards you you're gonna want to not be there so so like josh and i are kind of at the end we're kind of over to one side and they're like heading towards us so we just like <laughs> get out of there because like the last thing i want is like a, like a like a mad angelus lane barreling through me at, at one point near the end when she's pulling out the table she she just like stops because she's about to hit some it looked like some nice old lady in the very front row with the table and she stops and she just looks at him and goes like Shoe? Yeah, just get out of here. Out yeah. of All the wrestlers are like genuinely like pretty cool people. But, like in the ring, you're playing someone different. I don't want to ruin the illusion or anything. When you're at a wrestling show, like just like buy in. That's the best way to enjoy a wrestling show. Totally accept whatever they are selling you. And, and I think that's like that's like super fun. But like Angel's Lane is like one of my favorites now, kind of because of this match, but also kind of the like the lead up to it. Also, Angel's Lane herself, um, I kind of fell in love with her a little bit. I like uh, I like girls that could beat me up. That's kind of my type. And she definitely definitely could beat me up uh but she like uh her she was supposed to debut like a year earlier uh in inspire pro but the night before she broke both of her wrists in a wrestling match uh she she dove out of the ring landed on her wrist broke both of them she's been in and out like she's broken so much that she is billed from the nearest emergency room uh she she's like pro wrestling's bride of frankenstein uh because she just like 
You can't keep her down. She's all heart. And she brought that into the match. And there's like a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Like she was like injured and like dealing with a lot of nagging injuries. So that was essentially her retirement match. She was done. And that was the place that she decided to do it. And that was the match. And so that's why like they cut out before the end. But like at the end, everyone's standing up and clapping and cheering for her and chanting like, thank you, Angelus. And she said uh, like in a um, in a post on, on Facebook or on Twitter or something that like that's kind of what like made it okay for her to like go is that like she's she finally feels like she's that people have have figured her out you know and then she she ended up coming back she uh she took a lot of time off she got better uh she started working i think at like a chiropractor or something so she like was able to get care for cheaper so she could like you know fix some back problems and stuff and uh and she came back like better than ever and is now like a fan favorite because of like the amount of heart she poured into it at the last inspire pro show uh jessica james who's the current champion uh she's this tiny five foot nothing buzzsaw who will absolutely chop you into pieces and delilah doom were were tagging against a new group uh called the blonde tourage uh which are like oh, no. basically which are basically like two club girls if they were wrestlers and it's amazing it's kind of amazing <laughs> um I, I can only imagine that that image is already just like making my brain hurt a little bit that sounds great there's like a lot of inappropriate dancing a lot of like just being crappy towards the audience just being like you know like what we'll do what we want you don't own us and like it just really works as a wrestling gimmick but uh they so they beat Jessica and Delilah because some woman who we haven't seen since there's only been one show since then but she hasn't showed up she distracted I think she took out Jessica at, on the outside which you know left Delilah alone against two people she got over you know she got taken out so they lost post match um the blonde tries were just beating the crap out of Delilah so Angelus comes out to like to scare him away and like they were like you know bitter enemies and they so she came in delilah was like i didn't need your help yelling at her and just like fine next time i'll just let you get your 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 butt kicked she starts walking away and they turn around and then they both like hug you know because like they they're they realize they're not mad at each other anymore like it was so good and so cathartic because it's like like a like a two-ish year feud that had this big gap in the middle and then angels came back as um as sort of a a tag partner for someone else in the in the wrestling stable that Delilah was a part of the new movement and you know Delilah was not happy about that you know for obvious reasons because you know Angels tried to kill her on so many occasions but then like at this they just like they got over and they came back and they're like you know friends now and it I'm getting a little choked up it's just so good <laughs> it's so good to watch these stories because you don't really get them with men's wrestling like I love friendship based wrestling that's the best kind there is which is which is why tag wrestling is real great because that's basically the friendship division because you have to have someone's back that's that's why new day has has reigned as long as they have yeah for sure like they have like they have each other's back and that's why the shield was like the best thing about wrestling because before or since like just to take a little like a little tangent the shield was the only team in wwe history that had each other's backs that would like sacrifice for each other they would push one out of the way to take a hit if they knew the other one could do more not getting hit and so the way they wrestled was just so in sync that it was perfect for like two years it was amazing but then they broke up and everything you 
know, went their separate ways. Everything fell apart. Roman Reigns, uh, they tried pushing him too hard and it didn't work. I mean, I love Roman Reigns. I actually think he's a really great wrestler. I just, I don't think that he's the wrestler they want him to be. Once they figure out which wrestler he can be real well, he'll be the top guy. He'll be number one for real, but, yeah, um, you know, until then. Well, since we got back on the WWE, um, let's take a look at our third match. Uh, this is an okay. older one. Um, this is from WrestleMania 22, and uh, uh, tell us about this one. Uh, this is this is WrestleMania 22 was the the last good WrestleMania for for I uh, eight years, uh, maybe not eight, maybe seven for a while. There, there's always been good things about WrestleMania, but WrestleMania 2006 was right before they stopped trying because they were the only game in town. Uh, and right after this match, the women's division plummeted into like the just the garbage. I feel like you can see that coming with with how this match goes. Yeah, so it it's Trish Stratus versus Mickey James, the kind of the stalwart face of the women's division, Trish Stratus versus like the the new up and comer. Uh the whole the whole story was that Mickey was obsessed with Trish. Um at one point after she won the belt, like, because, again, spoilers, Mickey wins, which was crazy. Like, it was insane that that happened. I, I was watching live, and I was like, how did this How did this happen? But Mickey wins, and after, later, like, she starts dressing like Trish. Like, dye, like doesn't dye her hair, but, like, starts wearing a blonde wig, wearing her gear, the whole thing. So Trish, to, like, play mind games, starts dressing like Mickey, and it's like, it is what it is. It spirals out of control is what I imagine it does. Yeah, for sure. But the, the match itself is, like, the last wrestling match that women had as, like, that got a spot. Spotlight. I don't there literally was not a women's title defense at WrestleMania ooh for t- seven years seven or eight years it was bad but this match was like surprisingly violent which is great mickey james has like this weird air of violence because she was crazy right quote air quotes crazy but she was just she was also very violent about it which i think really worked for the character she had a weird physicality to it that that kind of amplified that crazy because she would just like pause and look at her look at trish uh, there's a moment that they cut out of the of the video that so you didn't get to see it. It was on they aired it and on the original I want I think on the original WrestleMania 22 DVD it's there. But every other instance after any re-releases any WrestleMania collections it's taken out. Towards the end she Mickey Mickey grabs Trish by the crotch like straight up grabs her crotch. It cuts to the crowd and when it comes back to the ring Mickey is smiling like a lunatic. Uh, what she did was licked her fingers uh, that she grabbed Trish's crotch with. Uh, and it, it like the look in her eyes was literal insanity and that's when that's like the beginning of the end of the match but it's like oh mickey james is crazy like you don't want to mess with mickey james i kind of wondered why trish had that strong of a look of disgust after that yeah exactly it, like they cut away to, they like the the commentary drops out like there's there's nothing like you don't get to find you don't find out what happened but like you know only 90s kids remember what uh <laughs> Uh, what what Mickey James did. Um, the match itself is really good. It has one of my favorite heel moves, which is uh, you're on your back and a wrestler's coming, so you bring your knee up, so your foot's flat, but your knee is like you know in the ground, and you kick their foot out, so they fall forward face first onto your knee, uh, and that is not used nearly as much as it should be. No, but both of these two, like it's it's hard to see it's hard to see where where the history of this match had led from, and it's it's a little disappointing to see where it leads to just based on the performance these two give yeah uh 
they're legitimately wrestling all out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's like, there's a lot of moments that like Trish Stratus is not the best wrestler that there's ever been. She's she is the best diva that there's ever been. She's the total package, like toe to tip. Like you cannot find a better total package diva than Trish Stratus. Never the best wrestler, but she had two things going for her. She always cared. Like it never. Like everyone, everyone likes Lita. I don't love Lita because Lita always looked like she was sleepwalking. If you if you go back and watch her matches, she's not. She doesn't believe what she's doing as much as Trish Stratus does. Uh, the other thing that Trish has going for her is that she is willing to match anyone's style in, in ways that you don't expect. So Mickey James is like violent and crazy. So Trish switches to that gear and just like gets kind of crazy and violent too, um, which is not something you saw a lot back then. No, but it was it was interesting to watch her just slowly cut loose more and more as the match went on, and I was legitimately surprised by the result of it. Like I was not expecting Mickey James to win. No, I, yeah, it it, it kind of comes out of nowhere because she blocks a Stratus faction, which is Trish's finisher, and then she she does that move where she kicks her foot out and she lands on the knee, and then I think there's got to be one other thing between that that and the Mick kick, which is just like a straight up kick to the head. <laughs> um, uh, which is her finisher, but like you kind of, I think what happened was like in this, you know, in the story is that Trish was was playing on Mickey's field, you know, farther into the match it went, and she wasn't. That's not her strength, so I think that's what allowed Mickey to like get the the one up on her. But like it works really well. The lead up is a is basically what you think it is. It's Mickey getting more. She came in as her biggest fan and like eventually became like an obsessed stalker. Um, so it's basically like let's put this to bed, and also the title is on the line, and then where it leads is like the Trish and Mickey stuff is fine for a little while by and large those two were okay but they started bringing in more and more models and they were kind of training them to wrestle but not really and that's kind of where the focus went until uh, 2014 when the four horsewomen showed up pretty much pretty much then yeah uh especially like if you if you like listen to interviews with like Sasha and uh and Becky and Charlotte and, and Bailey like when they were brought in they were fully expecting like oh you're you're gonna be wrestling in these two minute nothing matches like don't learn how to wrestle don't bother and this might segue uh very appropriately into the next match uh they brought in Sarah Del Rey to be a trainer and they basically said no heck with this we're gonna wrestle and that's what kind of kickstarted it which again leads to the next match yeah no let's let's go right into that this one uh was an audience suggestion uh this was a Shikara match um, yeah, which I feel like there's some there's some history there. That's uh, that's a name I've heard more than once. Uh, Jakara Jakara is uh, and it's crazy. It's like the it's it's if wrestling was comic books essentially. So like there are like time travel storylines. There okay, oh man, like if you want if you want a nice long day, just Google Archibald Peck. Okay. Okay. Look at the history as and do as much as you can of like start to end Archibald Peck business um, because he gets knocked through time twice. Well, actually three times because he gets knocked backwards in time and then gets knocked forwards in time, but then is at some point lost in the time stream to the point where he shows up in, oh God, I can't believe this. Okay, so he is lost through time and so he just is showing up here and there. He He's a cowboy at one point. At one point, the guy, Robert Evans, who plays Archibald Peck, uh, shows up as Archibald Peck's lawyer, R.D. Evans, and saying that, like, you didn't beat Archibald Peck because the one you beat was not the one you challenged. That was a different time-displaced Archibald Peck. <laughs> 
And then, like, Archie Archie shows up at some point three or four years ago, like, literally plural years ago, with a, a best of 2015 yearbook, like the year in review, and he sees something that he doesn't like, okay? We don't know what that is. Fast forward to 2015. The show is top banana. Archibald Peck has been killed. There is a move in Chikara that can kill people. It's a, It literally kills the character. You can be resurrected. There have been ways to do that. Two people have come <laughs> back from it, but it literally, it's a choke. Slam into a like a backbreaker on the knee and that kills you. You're like you are in universe dead. Archibald Peck was killed. He shows up at the end of 2015 at the show Top Banana, grabs the yearbook from the director of fun Mike Quackenbush, looks at his death, like it was like you know, in memoriam, like he was in that section, and then the lights go back out and he's gone. And that's when he appears three or four years ago with the yearbook. <laughs> okay, that's that's awesome. <laughs> It's insane. That's Chikara, essentially. There are there's a colony of ants. They're called the Colony. Um, they have a lot of ant moves. They are amazing. There is a princess with two anthropomorphic ice creams that are called Los Ice Creams. Uh, in her like court, there is a Thor, but he's a frog, the Estonian Thunder Frog. He is what is oh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like he is like a like a messiah figure on accident. Um, he he came back from the dead basically because of like mythology lore and like that's what gods do so he came back <laughs> there's it's crazy chikara is amazing uh it's very it's it's kind of hard to get a, a grasp on, but they do have an on-demand service called Chikaratopia that, you know, if you if you get that, you can, like, basically watch everything up to, like, two months ago, and they add stuff all the time. So, um, I recommend it if you're, if you want, if this excites you about wrestling. <laughs> but I say that to say, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, Sarah Del Rey versus, uh, Toshida, oh, what was her last name? I'm gonna Google it real quick. Um, she... I know a little bit about her because I, I grew up in the Northeast, but I didn't watch WWF, so I was uh, an outcast. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, I watched WCW where people like wrestled instead of just talked about wrestling. The warm embrace of Southern comfort for you. Yeah. It, oh, man, it was real nice. And like to this day, I'm like the wrong kid died. <laughs> Toshi uh, Uematsu. Uh, and she was the first ever women's cruiserweight champion in WCW, which lasted for all of a year before they just shuffled it off. Uh, she's a Japanese wrestler. She's a, a you know, very much in the Joshi style, which is essentially strong style, but you know, for women. Uh, and so it was, it was Sarah Del Rey, who is one of the last greats of the indies of the previous generation of wrestlers before everybody graduated to the WWE or retired. She was like one of the, you know, of the, of the, the Daniel Bryans and the CM Punks and your, your Cesaro, like that kind of generation. But she was like the top female wrestler of, of that era and uh it's her versus versus toshi and they they tell a real good story it it's uh it's basically sarah does not respect toshi and toshi doesn't like that and so they fight each other no and it was a great bit of storytelling like there was no doubt what was going on there and like it's uh it works really well because like i i was not familiar with like the the lead up to this i i i know a, a lot about chikara but i'm not like super versed in it you know like so i don't know all the stories that were happening you know all the time but you watch the match and you know exactly what's happening like toshi's excited to be there sarah doesn't care and like yeah the the disrespect goes too far and they beat the crap out of each other and man do they 
beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, Sarah Del Rey's finisher, the Royal Butterfly, uh, which is like a, a double underhook uh, where she pulls you up, so you're kind of giving a body scissors, but you're basically just like crumpled into a ball, and then she suplexes you out of that, and it's just like this gnarly looking thing, and that's how she wins the match. But uh, yeah, it's it's like no messing around, no fooling. No, and it was two really distinct styles of wrestling going on there. Like you know, Sarah Del Rey is is the larger of the two. And For sure, yeah. There's a point where uh, Toshi is just, you know, bouncing off of the uh, bouncing off of the ring, you know, trying to just charge her, and she yeah. sort of just stands there and just lets her bounce off. Yeah, every time she goes to clothesliner, it just like doesn't work. She just like kind of like pops her chest out a little bit to like like in like you ever played No Mercy, WWF No Mercy, the yeah. N64 game. Uh, if you press like the R button, you do this like chest out move that like blocks that's basically that's basically what sarah del rey was doing uh and it it like it really worked because like sarah del rey is not huge or anything and she wrestles in what i like to call the american indie technical version um it's it's kind of what cesaro and what daniel bryan were wrestling at the time it's it's more technical based but you can see that like when you're wrestling someone smaller you can do moves that you normally wouldn't have in your repertoire you know you can you can do some more power moves you can throw some pretty baller lariats uh i feel like there was a power bomb but i might be mistaken there was there was that uh when she kicks toshi off the top rope oh yeah dude that like that brutal. Ro- <laughs> rolling kick right off the top rope it was yeah it was a really really weird fight and yeah i say that in a good way it was it was a lot of fun to watch and you know again another one where i had no idea where it was going at all yeah, and and the cool thing is it ends and Sarah has won. It's it doesn't doesn't start a feud because like you know Toshi lives in Japan. She wrestles in Japan. She was over there for I believe they said it was King of Trios weekend, which is like their huge blowout. Like uh, every September they have a three night event where it's a trios tournament which is you know six man or you know three person teams and it's like their biggest thing and uh like i think she was there brought in for that and so as the tournament goes on there's less and less trios matches so they fill them in with more you know singles matches or tag team tournaments or stuff like that and so she was there for that which is like you know an occasion so she's not coming back next month she's not you know anything like that so it's you know it's 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 just a fun little beat down yeah yeah exactly it's just like a one and done like oh don't mess with sarah del rey and that's you know and that's it that's all that there is yeah and and that's that is a that's a fun part of some of these wrestling things is is getting to watch you know all the different kind of takes on it that we saw you know across these four matches especially yeah uh if if i was thinking i would have had like a, a bull nakano match on there or an aja kong match um, which are very similar match types which is just like this this super powerful woman beating up anyone who steps to her uh that's kind of how aja kong matches and bull nakano matches go uh but there, like, there's a lot of different types of wrestling, and I think with women's wrestling, it's the easiest to see the differences because, like, if you vary even a little bit because of the smaller sample size in women's wrestlers, it it's it's almost like it makes a bigger impression, you know. So there's uh, there's a there's a woman wrestling on the indies right now. Her name is Vanessa Craven. Her nickname is the Mountain. Uh, she's like she's like five ten, five eleven, but she you know she doesn't look like a lot of other wrestlers do. You know, she's not like a lot of women's wrestlers tend to be small. They tend to be like, you know, more quick, but she's just giant. She fought Jessica James that I was talking about earlier, uh, and she beat Jessica James the first time, and in the rematch, Jessica James figured her out and literally chopped her down, essentially. <laughs> you, 
can get cool things like that because it's not so saturated. Like there's not a hundred dudes who look like the same person, you know, like it's it's a bunch of women who are all unique, who all wrestle in like a lot of varied ways. Uh, and it, I think it really works. I think it, I think it's what draws me to it. And that and it, there tends to be a lot more friendship based storytelling, which I just love. Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's going to be a good, good little transition point. Um, we we want to fill the, the fifth slot of this week with um, state of women's wrestling. And I want to kind of open this up to you. Um, you know, I was thinking we could start back and just kind of cover where we came from on this and where it's going. But uh, we can just say right at the start, uh, the Attitude Era was real bad times. It was bad times. It was hard times, Daddy. They, there was, oh boy. It Basically, um, there was two women's wrestlers. I'll say three. There were three women's wrestlers like that wrestled. One of them did not wrestle women. It was China. She wrestled primarily men until the later end of, of the Attitude Era that you're 2001-ish because uh, I don't know what, I think they fell out of love with her. Uh, there's a there's a uh, wrestling podcast called How To Wrestling uh, and if you haven't heard it, I definitely recommend them, but definitely check out their China episode. It's like the most comprehensive retrospective on her life and career that I have I've I have heard. Oh yeah, it was real good. Yeah, so I would definitely check that out. But like, you kind of you find out like towards the end, they had her finally fighting women, and it kind of felt diminishing because they were having. She was the only women's intercontinental champion. She was like the first woman, uh, woman in a in a Royal Rumble. She did all these things that like no one else had done to that point, and then they just kind of got over her and they shuffled her off to the women's division, which at the time was bad. <laughs> yeah, the other two wrestlers were Ivory, who is to this day like I think the most underrated uh, wrestler of the Attitude Era and uh, Jacqueline who came in and was mostly a valet for a while until they finally let her wrestle um, and that's basically the Attitude Era then there was there was your Sables and your you know, those brawn panties matches and pudding matches and you know sexy elf battle royals and just a lot of trash that you had to wade through Jerry the King Lawler uh, just oohing and on over him all the time oh my god it's so bad it is everyone everyone talks about the Attitude Era like it was this shining golden place and the good the high were so high but the mediums were so low and the lows were the dirt worst <laughs> it was it was a rough time yeah Oof. Yeah, that was about the time that I uh, stopped watching was kind of the rise of the NWO in WCW. Yeah, the NWO, uh, which uh, I have um, I have like a, like a list of people that I will never forgive. And the only name on it is, well, I have two names on it now after uh, Monday's episode of my, my podcast, um, <laughs> today today's episode of, of the Morphin Grid podcast. But the only name on there since 1996 has been Hulk Hogan <laughs> uh, because I was the biggest Hulkamaniac. Uh, he he oh, betrayed he me. You, he hurt you bad. <laughs> Personal, he personally betrayed me, and I literally will never forgive him for that. Uh, so yeah, he uh, that's when the NWO started. They kind of overstayed their welcome. WCW also bring, to bring it back to women's wrestling, not a haven for women's wrestling. Uh, the early, like the early to mid '90s, was baller. They had all the best all Japan women's wrestlers. They, uh, oh, I guess I don't think it's all Japan women's, wrestlers, but they had like you know, uh, crap, I said a name earlier, Bulldogano and Aja Kong and Akira Hokuto and uh, Kyuji Suzuki, like whole bunch of Joshi's that were just. Ter- Tearing it up, and then the NWO started, and everything that wasn't NWO orbiting was just shuffled off to the to the way or cruiserweights. The cruiserweights also got to have their fun, but uh, women's wrestling took the hit on that one, unfortunately. So we come out of those dark times, um, and we uh, we come up, you know, like we talked about with Trish Stratus a little earlier, coming kind of coming out of it a little bit there uh, before it took. I would say the this is this is super nerdy of me, um, but I I think Survivor Series. I want it's either two thousand. 
2002 or 2003, there was a women's six-pack challenge. Uh, it's when Trish won her first championship because China had left and vacated the title, and they just didn't talk about it for like a solid year. And then so that finally they brought it back. It was Trish, Ivory. I don't know if Lita was injured at that point or not. Jacqueline, Jazz, uh, maybe Tori Wilson, and maybe Stacey Keeble. I don't really remember, but like it was the first time women had wrestled like for real in a long time, and that was kind of the start of it again. And and it went back and forth between like, hey, let's let them wrestle and be humans, uh, and this you are literally just eye candy for our gross, gross fans. And then we uh, we plunged back down into the divas division. Yeah, that's when they like I I don't remember when they start. I think it was the brand split, which was I think 2004, which is when they created the divas title, uh, which is the I want to say most offensive title belt there's ever been. It's it looks like a Barbie accessory. It's like a bedazzled butterfly. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, I can I can kind of picture some of those you know modern modern women's wrestlers just kind of vomiting looking at that, just not pleased. Well, I mean that's that's a uh, Charlotte was the last Divas champion because they they transitioned it over to the new Women's Championship, which I think looks great. Um, but Sasha Banks said like they're like it was like Christmas time before the um, I think it was last Christmas. They're like, what do you want for Christmas? And Sasha Banks there was like a whole photo shoot with a bunch of different wrestlers, and hers was the Women's Championship, not the Divas Championship. Like I don't want to win that garbage belt. I want to win a real title that takes itself seriously. That uh, that's uh, that's a pretty telling thing. And yeah, so we come we come through and we we pull the four horsewomen up from the uh, from NXT eventually. Um, yep. and that kind of starts paving the way for the eventual uh, you know the eventual growth of that again. Um, but let's talk about kind of once once Charlotte and you know those three arrived on the scene. How did that start changing stuff? Uh, well, at first it didn't. At first it it uh, it was the, called the Divas Revolution. It was very branded, very like corporate, and it was it was too much. It didn't. I don't think it worked. Uh, so what they did was they brought up Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha to be in these. They kind of the women's division for like a, a solid six months or so was literally teams. It was it was three women teams or you know some outsiders, but it was uh, it was Paige, Charlotte, and Becky were at first a submission sorority, but that was a uh, an adult film site uh, that no one Googled. So they just changed it to to Team PCB, which is the most first draft name they could think. Um, and then that kind of fell apart um, as these things do. Sasha was put with Tamina and um, and uh, and Naomi as Team Bad, Beautiful and Dangerous, which was um, also not good because Sasha was clearly the star of that and it didn't really, she, did, she doesn't work as part of a team, Sasha Banks. She, she's no. singular. Uh, but the other thing that didn't really work about that, it was it was like, alright, let's put all of the, the women of color on one team and that's it and that's, you know, that's what we'll do and it's like, no, that's not, guys, no, don't. Um, that's called going backwards. That's, that's a big step back. It worked for Tamina and Naomi because there was more to their relationship than just like, oh, you're Simone and you're black. They were related um, because uh, Naomi married her cousin. So they were family. So that really worked. So when they were their own team, like just a tag team, essentially, I think it really worked well. But like you add Sasha Banks in and there's like a lot of unfortunate overtones. And then it's also like Sasha Banks doesn't need a team. She doesn't need help. Uh, she's the best. <laughs> I would imagine it just becomes the Sasha Banks show. It kind of it kind of just was. And then like that fell apart, too, because uh, Naomi and Tamina both got injured at the same time, which was really unfortunate. But uh, um, Naomi came back better than ever. Tamina isn't back yet. She got like a she had like a real bad leg break. I think she broke her leg, maybe. Um, so she's not back yet. I don't know if she will be. I hope I hope so because I think she has a really she plays a really good role, even if she's not necessarily a good wrestler. Um, but she's a good Diesel. She plays a good like you 
know, Diesel to anyone's Shawn Michaels, essentially. Okay. So that happened, and it was like, this is the Divas Revolution. Hashtag Divas Revolution. Hashtag Divas Revolution. And it just didn't work because it, was, it wasn't it was doing it. It was telling you it was doing it. And and so once it kind of fell apart, um, and I think what happened was, and this is real, is that Triple H and Stephanie's daughter, their oldest daughter, Aurora, said, I want to be a wrestler when I grow up. And so uh, Triple H and Stephanie went, well, we're fixing the division, so you have something to come to that's not gross. I think that is actually what happened because there is like, there is, like confirmation that she said, I want to be a wrestler and then right around that time that's when things started you know turning around so so really change is done at the hands of a man at all times essentially yeah i mean and look that's what it takes is is like you have to you have to send it all the way to the top and see who salutes and if you know top the chief brand officer and the coo are the ones saluting then like uh yeah you're gonna you're gonna get the change that you need finally uh but that kind of brings us to now i guess and it has been a real good change. Uh, you know, I was I was looking at some some alternate alternate uh, matches to look at, and one of the ones that I had pointed out as a as an alternate uh, was going to be the uh, the match from Backlash that determined the SmackDown Live Women's Champion. Yeah, the six pack elimination, which in and of itself is kind of awesome that they did a women's elimination match because normally it's like oh throw them all in the ring, one fall to a finish, um, or if it's an elimination, I call them gold golden gun matches because you hit one person with a move and they're dead no matter what that move is you hit them with a drop kick you can pin them right away in a multi-women match but not anymore and uh and it really worked uh and it showcased everybody it did a kind of a weird thing where they'll throw everyone out of the ring and they'll have little uh mini matches um but as it went on it like it really picked up and it really came together and it it really like you said it did a great job of showcasing that hey we have six incredible you know female athletes here that are all really shooting for this they've yeah. all got their characters and stories and everything but they want this this is something that we're actually going to do now yeah because they they just resplit the brands so there's now the the raw and the smackdown and they each have their own women and it seemed like at first raw was getting all the wrestlers and then smackdown was getting everybody else except for becky lynch and arguably natalia i have a lot of problems with natalia that we can talk about in a minute but they're like let's give it to becky lynch let's make this her showcase right like we don't want her drowning in the sea of talent that we have over here but you know we want her to be something special so let's do that and at first it was like oh, okay they brought up carmella who's not a great wrestler but has a lot of character like oh yeah and she recently turned heel and that was like that's it that's what she needed it brought it all together uh for her they had uh they brought up uh, alexa bliss who is this tiny gorgeous pixie who is a monster yeah she is she is like so good at being she has like the best facial expressions i think of anyone in wrestling right now but oh, yeah. they, they brought them up they put naomi over there who came back with this sort of like raver kind of gimmick they there's like a lot of like black light uh stuff and her, her entrance music is like really clubby and it really works um and then it also you couple that with the fact that naomi is an incredible athlete not necessarily oh, yeah. wrestler but like athletically speaking she's almost untouchable well, she did that like massive springboard off the top rope, you know, into all the other five of them down on the mat. Yeah, just yeah, it was laid them out. Crazy, yeah. And uh, then they brought Nikki Bella back, who came back from a career-ending injury uh, to to wrestle again. So she's on SmackDown too, which I think is the most like the best move they could have made. Uh, there, she's dating John Cena. John Cena's on SmackDown, so of course 
you know, they have the pull to keep themselves, their their relationship together on a show. But by doing that, they added a veteran who is, like, really good at wrestling and no one gives her the credit that I think she deserves. Well, and she didn't, she didn't try to pull anything back to what would look like a Divas competition. She just physically wrestled those women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she had to change her finisher because it was like a, a torture rack that she dropped down into a backbreaker, but that literally almost ended her career because it was basically destroying her neck. So she changed it into a TKO, which is like a fire carry into a like a, a diamond cutter sort of situation uh, but she also throws this really great forearm that looks like it will kill you oh yeah no there was there was some intensity there and yeah so you know into the night into the match uh, becky lynch comes out on top and you know once again just like why is this sport making me feel things stop it right yeah man becky did it she finally got it because she's the only one of the four horsemen who never won the women's title in nxt but and then she did she didn't win the big title from charlotte like Sasha Banks beat her, not not Becky, you know. But then here she is, the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion, and like that, you can't take that away from her, and no one can replace her with that. Oh, and she, no one could even ever say that she didn't earn it. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. just looking at that match alone, you know, she earned that. Yeah, in a match where everyone is working their their butts off, like Becky was doing the most work, which is like impressive. Yeah, and and she got it on a submission, no less. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Well, that that kind of. I, you know, I talk about the state of women's wrestling. That's like kind of an important thing right now is that like women took o- like technical wrestling has not fallen by the wayside by any stretch, but it is not as featured as on WWE TV as it could or should be. Uh, but the women's division kind of picked up that torch and ran with it. Sasha Banks' finisher is uh, is a submission. Charlotte's finisher, one of her finishers is a submission. Becky's finisher is a submission. Like Natalia's is a submission. Uh, Carmella's is a submission. So like the act of needing to wear down an opponent has like kind of become a women's exclusive thing and that's really really crazy and really awesome i, I think the cruiserweight division is gonna bring some of that back into raw at the very least they were yeah uh, for sure they were doing some crazy little jump around stuff um and man once once you get a chance to watch uh to watch clash of champions whoo You'll, you'll see some fun there. I'm excited to watch that match because I love Brian Kendrick, but I hate TJ Perkins. I have I have never in my life liked TJ Perkins, and I just, I know, he, I like, I know what happens. I can't believe, I know why he's the Cruiserweight Champion. It's because he's the one that signed, and Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre didn't. So, like, fair enough, fair play. You want to, you know, you can't give your title to a guy who doesn't work for you. No. Uh, but I think he was maybe the, the sixth best guy in the Cruiserweight class. And that's being, I think, generous. It, it was it was fun watching some of the the cruiserweight classic, but man, uh, I had not watched a whole ton of it, and then I watched that match for uh, Clash of Champions. Yeah, and his intro music, I was like, yeah, I'm on board. You're good. I have I haven't heard it yet. I hear it's like really cool. I hear it's like eight bit, <sighs> really cool stuff. So I'm excited about that. You you will enjoy that, and you know even even better than that. Like I I had I had my issues with kind of the presentation overall with that with that pay per view. Um, yeah, I I think I was expecting more out of Raw than they were willing to to give on a lot yeah. of the other titles. But sure. the match the match between Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey is it really is like it's it's a clinic in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I I think I think for the past you know at least since WrestleMania, uh, with very few exceptions on pay per views, like the women's match is the one you can count on, which is the exact opposite of you know three years ago where that was like literally they put it on right before the main event so everyone could leave and go to the bathroom and come back with enough time. You know, it cooled the arena down so they could bring it back up for the main event. But now it's like, oh no, we're going all out, and if you don't want to watch it, you're you know we're gonna make you pay for for missing it. Uh, and you know, and there's there's still the the great pop for all three of them when they oh, come yeah. out. Even even if Charlotte's pop is just booze all the way around, right. it's still an awesome hit. Which is the best because there's a the the only problem I have with wrestling as a whole right now is that we're too smart. We know the deal, and and not an, the the public at large of of wrestling fans are not super willing to just buy in. So we'll cheer bad guys because they're very good at wrestling and we like what they're doing. Where you should be booing them because that's a cheer for a bad guy, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the equivalent. Charlotte gets booze. Charlotte still gets booze, which is awesome. Oh yeah, and but man, I think it's you know that that whole thing about the audience being too smart that shows up with uh, with Chris Jericho. I think a lot because that man is a bona fide heel. Oh just yeah, through and through. But he, um, he just gets applause and love. Yeah, he uh, he figured it out because he came back and and if you return, you're a, you're a babyface, you're a good guy automatically. Like if you return from anything, he came back a couple years ago and didn't say anything for a fi- for like a, a full ten minutes. Like he was in the ring, posing, smiling, and over the course of those ten minutes, the crowd turned on him because he wouldn't give them what they wanted. So like if anyone can change someone's like perception, it's Jericho. Oh, uh, man, you're, you're gonna love his and Sami Zayn's match. I'm very excited. Sami Zayn is my sweet baby boy, uh, and I love him very much. I'm, I'm not a super fan of where he is right now, but I feel like it's the start of something good. You know, it it, it should be a good a good build for him. Um, once, once they get him just firmly off of Kevin Owens, it'll be... Yeah, they really should have sent him to SmackDown, huh? They, <laughs> they should have. That would have been nice, uh, but you know, no one's no no one's perfect. No. Back to back to women's wrestling because yeah. we probably should start wrapping up soon. Yeah. I guess it's around an hour. Uh, so uh, one last thing I want to talk about is NXT right now because uh, they they just had all of their best people plucked. Uh, they had they had Nia Jax brought up who was like on her way to being like you know a really great monster heel and now gets to do that in a place where I think she works better. I think she works better on Raw than she did on NXT. Oh yeah, where she can just demolish people. They can just throw jobbers at her and she just wrecks them speaking of uh, a couple weeks ago maybe a month or so ago she fought a girl named rachel levy uh that was delilah doom from from the match we talked about earlier the, the girl with the tiny girl with the blue hair what that like she, she yeah she sat her on the top rope and then pushed her to the outside yeah that was uh, that was my girl delilah wow i need to go back and find that yeah it was awesome uh seeing her i i lost my mind <laughs> when i saw her <laughs> um because i have like several pictures of me with delilah because she like i saw her debut in inspire and that was like this like one of the first matches she had uh as far as i know um but like to get to see her even getting beaten up on raw is just like real nice it's like oh <laughs> you did it you're on their radar now so yeah in, in nxt how they're not uh they're kind of losing out there a little bit yeah they they have um they have like they don't have a lot of people they got billy Kay and uh and peyton royce who are palette swaps of each other um they are essentially the same person twice they're not great but they're they're getting better there's mandy rose who is literally eva marie again uh um, just blonde this time. Um, there's there's Liv Morgan, who is, uh, I guess, the kind of replacement Carmella, but like Jersey instead of Staten Island. 
and like a lot more like brash I think and I think it works uh, but then there are two there are two women uh, who are definitely holding it down there is the NXT women's champion Asuka formerly known as Kana who oh, is she is a monster she she is a a just the worst she's like the worst monster you could ever meet in a wrestling ring um there that's another good three four hours you can spend it's just youtubing kana matches um because she is at one point uh she she dressed like a murder clown that was a nazi just because she was like super evil and was like oh i'm just gonna kick your head off so like let me just get the most heat i can i guess but then there's also another personal favorite of mine ember moon who just debuted recently has the best finisher in professional wrestling today the moonshot which is a top rope stunner that looks gorgeous um but the best part is that she is the former athena she wrestled on the indies as athena I, she wrestled at Inspire Pro. Oh wow! Uh, she yeah. She I have a picture of me and her her very last match on the Indies was at Inspire Pro. Uh, she fought Jessica James. I have a picture of me with her right after that match. Uh, it's like she is a phenom, and they haven't even shown ten percent of what she is capable of. I cannot wait for the world to experience Ember Moon. The I think the only credible threat to Asuka is is Ember Moon. So, uh, so they took a hit, but they're uh, they're building it back there a little bit. They're, I think they're getting it back. I don't know who else they're gonna be. Um, they're gonna be signing. I um, there's a lot of people that I like would love to see get uh get get plucked up by them. I don't know how many of them they would take because as enamored as they are with men's independent wrestlers, like they oh they love a good like indie wrestler right now. They don't seem to be doing that with women a lot right now, and I I. It's ebbs and flows, you know, so like it's it's a lot more like athletes right now than wrestlers. But I feel like with Ember Moon uh, getting signed recently, there's going to a Nikki, uh, Nikki Storm, who I think just debuted in Insanity. A group called Insanity. Uh, I think I forget what her, they're calling her. Might be like Nikki Glenn Cross, something like that. Uh, she's a Scottish wrestler who is just like super brutal, super awesome. So I think I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to start getting some more to kind of replace the four horsewomen, but not really. You know, like have at least a solid wrestling base in the women's division down there. So uh, looking up, kind of all around there, huh? Yeah, I think I think we're in a good place. Uh, the, you know, there's there's missteps and trips here and there. Uh, like uh, women's wrestling was, the, I think, the longest match on on TV for women had bet was like for the longest time was like 13 minutes um which is gross uh that they only that that's like the law lo- and that was like an anomaly right like the longest before that was like six minutes yeah. Um, but like longer matches is not necessarily better. Um, what we need, what we need, the easiest way to fix women's wrestling is to have at least three different stories of for the women's division on both shows every every episode, right? Don't just have don't just have the Charlotte and the title picture and that be it, because you also have like right now there's Nia Jackson and Alicia Fox and that's kind of a thing going on, so that's good. If we had like one more, if we could figure out one more to get, because they have like a, you know a lot of wrestlers, if they could just make sure everyone had something to do, the the women's division would be like that wouldn't even be a, a worry anymore you know yeah yeah no I, I i hear you they uh they've got a lot of talent that they're still trying to figure out exactly how to use them it feels like yeah it, and they spent so long with like here's the one women's story and that's all we have time for and that's all we're gonna give time for that i feel like they've they just need to figure out how to get it back to where you can have three or four uh, you know on a show or like have just like storylines that that aren't about jealousy or the title because those seem to be it you know yeah. and um 
but they're they're doing they're making big strides, and I I think that's that's good. So I I think everything's looking up. Oh, awesome. Well, Jake, thank you once again for coming on here. Um, you you mentioned this a couple times. Why don't you tell people uh, where they can find you, where they can hear you? Okay. Well, uh, buckle up because there's a lot. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so I'm on Twitter at jj underscore mason. That's uh, I'm I'm on Twitter all the time. It's the only social media I really use. Come say hi. Uh, I have a couple podcasts. I got uh, the Morphin Grid, which is an episode by episode recap of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, we're currently in Turbo, which is just about to look up. I'm very excited. Um, we are. I have a podcast called Pokemon World Tour, where we go through the world of Pokemon, uh, route by route, city by city, uh, and talk about like what makes each place unique and like what you can find there and like what it looks like. What I guess what the Pokemon world would look like from the inside. Uh, then there is uh, it's the sister show Pokemon World Tour United, which is an actual play RPG uh, where we play a Pokemon tabletop game. Uh, it's very fun. It's super great. Uh, Matt was actually a guest on that, so uh, that's coming out towards the end of the year. Should be like November, December. Uh, that episode should come out. But that's the other one. I have a podcast called Gascast where Josh and I and usually guests talk about uh, a game or sports show. Um, that's really fun. We talked the last one we did was BattleBots, uh, which is the just so it's it's basically professional wrestling but robots. Oh yeah, that was a lot of fun to listen to. Oh thank you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about that one. I love Chomp so much. Um, I just can't I can't explain it. Um, and then uh, finally, I think that's it. But I also have I'm starting a new podcast called Explain Me an Anime, where I have a, a guest come on and try to ex- try their best to explain an anime to me, um, which is something that I'm not I don't like anime and I'm not very familiar with any of them. So uh, it should be a very fun podcast. But that's not out yet, so you don't have to worry about that one. All right. Well, uh, you can find me at at Matt Hoadley on Twitter. Uh, you can find this show at Fifth Draw, and uh, our website is fifthdraw.com. You can uh, find every other means of communicating with us over there. Uh, any news and updates will be there as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs>